I'm here with Sister Katerina. She's from the Sisters of Our Lady of Mercy, and this is the Order of St. Faustina. And, uh, Sister, I wanted to ask you, first, we're the feast day of the Annunciation. And you said something to me after Mass that struck me about the power of saying yes. Can you talk about that? Yes, there's a passage in St. Faustina's diary where Jesus asked St. Faustina to make a special offering of herself, I think, to become a spouse to our Lord in a special way, and that he wouldn't even decrease his intimacy with her. Even if she were to say no, our Lord would still communicate with her in such an intimate way and grant the same graces to her. So it was completely up to her whether she would say yes or no. And uh, initially she was overcome by the greatness of that request, but she assented to it freely, and she understood that the power of the sacrifice was in her free, freely accepting and embracing that yes. And she, she realized and writes about how powerful her yes was. And personally, too, I've experienced many times in my own life that simply by embracing the cross, by embracing a sacrifice and saying yes to our Lord, that much power is in the yes, even if all the consequences we fear so many times don't follow or come about, like the suffering St. Faustina saw that would be before her. The power was in her, her yes, in her, her yes to the Lord and accepting and embracing what he had planned. Now tell us, uh, why is the message of the diary so powerful today? It seems to speak to our culture in an extraordinary way. She herself was a very poor background, right, very simple yeah. person. But the message is, speaks to modern culture so powerfully. Yeah, it's the, the message of divine mercy that Jesus transmitted to us uh, through St. Faustina is an invitation to trust to him, to surrender ourselves to our Lord's merciful love. He wants us to believe in his goodness. At one point he said, and we read this in the diary, that even the devils believe in the justice of God, but they do not believe in his goodness. And our Lord is love and mercy itself. He is goodness, and he wants us to trust in him. And trust isn't that easy. In St. Faustina, we see that trust is an attitude. It's a whole, whole way of life, of having faith, of loving God, hoping in God. Trust in God's mercy also means to be sorry for sin and humility, knowing that we're a child of God but always loved. And that really is the message. And we see it in our prison ministry, which we do in Boston, that here are men or women who are really and many times have hit rock bottom. But when they hear this message of God's merciful love, this unconditional love, no matter what has happened, what is happening, they turn to him. And here we, it's important to remember that God loves us. We are children of God. He loves us with an infinite love, and that love will never change. Of course, he does not like at all the sins we commit. So we have to remember that I am loved as a child of God and that I need to put aside in a way these sins or the behaviors that aren't pleasing to him and not good for my soul either. So here the Lord is reaching out through St. Faustina to a society, a world, to people really, to each of us who many times are broken, who are wounded because of 
what maybe we've done, what we've experienced, what's going on around us. But God is with us, and he loves us. He's infinitely good, and he wants us to turn back to him and to really entrust ourselves, even with all our sins and mistakes, to him. Because he says, my mercy is greater than all your sins and the sins of the entire world. Let no fear, no soul fear to draw near to me. I know there's a great story in the diary that I liked. Uh, I think St. Faustina was talking to our Lord, and and there was some sister who had committed some fault or sin, and and he said what wounded him more was like her lack of trust in his forgiveness. Or talk about that story. Yes, I just uh, read it the other day. It was uh, when St. Faustina was in Vilnius, there was an elderly sister who came up to her. That sister realized that St. Faustina had a special relationship with the Lord, although she kept that very quiet and was very private about it. And she begged St. Faustina said, please ask the Lord if he has forgiven me all my sins, because she had a doubt that her confessions weren't good, the confession she had made, and that was a doubt in that sister's mind. And uh, initially, Saint Faustina, Sister Faustina didn't want to do that, but the, sisters really be- the sister begged her to please ask the Lord about it. So finally, uh, Saint Faustina gave in and asked Jesus about the sister's request, and then Jesus said to Saint Faustina, tell her that her current distrust of my goodness wounds me more than all the sins she has committed. And that kind of captures to me kind of the toughness of the diary. There's this great message of goodness and mercy, and yet that love he has for us is calling us to something higher and it wants us to be transformed. Talk about that balance, his forgiveness, at the same time, he wants a pure love from us, right? Yes, um, while our Lord came, today we think about the Annunciation, our Lord became incarnate, he became one of us. He made himself sin, although he never he never sinned, but we do sin. So here, and since we are all sinners, I'm a sinner, I need God's mercy. I fall many times, I try to do better, and I still fall. And the key here, and that's really, I think, what God wants of us, is to turn back to him at every moment, to look at his goodness with one eye, St. Faustina said, at our misery, but with the other eye, at his mercy. So we should never despair, and that would be temptation to not think, well, it's, it's too many sins, and I'm just going to, many people will say, well, why go to confession? I'll just fall into the same sin again. But we give glory to God every time we go to confession, when we bring our misery, and we're basically saying, Lord, you are bigger and greater and stronger than all of my sins. And it gives great glory to God's mercy when we make that act of trust. Going to confession, for example, is a real act of trust. We may not feel the trust, and trust is not in the feelings. That's also very important to remember that we need to practice virtue in order to trust. So many times we won't feel that we trust at all. We'll be nervous, upset, afraid. All sorts of different emotions can come in there. But we choose to trust. We choose to believe in God's goodness. We choose to love him by acting the right way. So here, the balance between mercy and forgiveness is that God is always ready to forgive us. He's he's ready to forgive us, and he has the power to forgive each and every sin and all sins. Mm -hmm. But we need to make that step to turn to him 
entrust, and that's why the divine mercy image has on the on the base of it, on the bottom, Jesus, I trust in you, because that is our response to his great mercy, and only I can make that response for myself. Mm. And each one of us ought to try to turn to the Lord and trust, or even trying, Lord, I want to trust in you. Help me. And she, she said to keep one eye on your own misery. What does that mean? Uh, that would mean not to f- forget that we're sinners or to look at how weak we are so we don't become overconfident, for example, that I know I've uh, fallen or that we all have fallen in the past and things can happen again, not to be overconfident, yet not too fearful. So realizing I am weak, I need God's grace, but also looking at his goodness, at his readiness to help me, to give me, grant me the graces to resist sins, to do better, to become holy, to become a saint. So kind of keeping a healthy balance between (laughs) knowing my weakness and knowing God's greatness, knowing my sinfulness, knowing God's goodness. And really it's the Lord's desire that we all become saints. Mm that we make it to heaven, that's why he came, and that's what he wants. I sometimes see people who, who don't understand that or who question or doubt, and sometimes we have to go back to that basic truth that God wants us to make it to heaven, to enjoy eternal life with him, so he will give us all the graces we need, and he will help us, but we need to open ourselves up to that help, and that would be the act of trust mm. and faith and humility. And how does one practice the Divine Mercy devotion? What does that entail? Yeah, the essence of the devotion, it's many people know the forms of devotion, ways of imploring graces of Divine Mercy. So you would have the Divine Mercy image, the Feast of Mercy or Divine Mercy Sunday, uh, the s- second Sunday of Easter. There's the Chaplet of Divine Mercy we can pray also stopping at 3 o'clock and just praying to Jesus for a moment because that's the moment when he died on the cross and spreading the message of mercy. All these are forms of devotion to which grace, great graces are attached. But the essence, what the divine mercy devotion really is about is a way of life, a way to holiness that St. Faustina shows us. And that is simple yet not so easy. The simplicity about it is that it's to trust in God and to be merciful to others. So we should do at least one deed of mercy every day out of love for Jesus. And then to trust in God. And how do we express our trust in God? It's to do his will. That's the, the proof that we trust in him. So doing God's will means keeping the commandments, living the Beatitudes, fulfilling our duties of our state in life as a religious, as a mother, father, young person. And to do an act of mercy, what would be some examples there? Are we speaking to young people? (laughs) Uh, Yes. Young Young people. Um, Yeah, I I would say do it out of love for Jesus, even if you're told, let's say you're at home and the parents nag you about cleaning your room, taking out the trash, being on time, doing your homework. Um, Do it out of love for Jesus. So that that could apply to religious life, too. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely, yeah. There's so many opportunities. You can also say a prayer for somebody, especially saying a prayer for somebody who you've had trouble with or you're angry with. Uh, Pope 
Pope Francis calls that a step forward in the new evangelization, praying for somebody with whom I'm angry or maybe upset with. So there are many ways that through prayer, word, or deed, we can do an act of mercy. What about uh, today we have a crisis of faith, I think we could say. What does it mean like to bring our lack of faith to the Lord? Somebody might be listening to this and say, I want to believe, I want to believe all these, all these beautiful things you Catholics believe. How could they bring their lack of faith to God to try to grow in faith? Mm-hmm. Well, the, what comes to mind is the prayer from the Gospel. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And I've also seen that many times when people had questions about God, or even on the airplane many times we travel, people aren't so sure about even the existence of God and uh, what do I really believe in? Do I believe in anything? So to bring that desire to God, Lord, help me to believe, bringing the question about the meaning of life to the Lord, Lord, speak to me, reveal yourself to me. I desire to come to know you, to make these simple prayers in your own words to the Lord. I've heard many witnesses, and I know from my own life, once I really turned to the Lord uh, and cried out to him, and, and little by little things started to fall into place. And the Lord will speak to us one way or the, or the other, through other people, through events, But then, of course, we can educate ourselves, too, and learn about our faith and find answers there. We gave a youth retreat, uh, another sister and I in Georgia not too long ago. It was called Total Trust, nice theme for the retreat. And there were many young people, but young one men came up, up to us afterwards and said, Sisters, you've answered my questions. I had several questions about the Catholic faith and the faith in general, and he, after the retreat, uh, decided to begin RCIA mm-hmm. just by simple, simple witness that we gave, but it's, it answered certain questions that he had had about the faith. So to even take, take part in events where we can learn more about the faith could be very helpful. Now you are from Belgium, the home of chocolate and bicycling and lace-making, Tell us your story. How did you come to America and then join the sisters? Yeah, it's a, it's a long story. I would summarize it saying the Lord writes straight with crooked lines. And St. Faustina in her diary writes about the golden thread of mercy that runs through the, her entire life. And uh, I would say, too, I've experienced God's mercy, and he led me to the congregation uh, well, I studied here in the United States and was working here. Where did you study? I studied uh, in, uh, at Swarthmore College and later at UVA for a master's. At the time, uh, unfortunately, nobody encouraged my vocation when I was younger because I went to an all-girls Catholic high school, and I think I already had signs of vocation there, but nobody ever spoke to me about the possibility of becoming a sister. I didn't know how you become a religious sister or that they just dropped down from heaven. or I just didn't know how you go about that, and it wasn't on my horizon. So I thought about studying, getting a good job, and you know, eventually getting married, the usual, mm-hmm. the usual thing, and that was sort of expected of me, and I guess that's what I thought somehow I would do, although I had some doubts, I think, from early on. Let me ask you, though, was the culture in Belgium at the time, was it one of faith or... 
secularism? When I grew up, it was still one of faith up to high school. It's when I came back to Belgium after, when did I go back? After college to work for a couple of years in Brussels, I could see the difference, how secularized the culture had become. And uh, fewer and fewer people began going to Sunday Mass. And, uh, yeah, I think the media had a lot to do with that, too. So it had changed drastically in the 80s, I would say like mid-80s mid or so. And then you came back to America to work for a while? Yeah, then I uh, studied, and then I worked more. And what happened is I, uh, I moved up to Boston to make the story a little shorter, but I had prayed a lot about that job. I was offered a job in the Boston area, and I pretty much made a deal with the Lord beforehand. And I'm sharing this so to encourage young people to really pray about their decisions in life, whether where they want to go to school, whether they want to work and where to work or whom to date and so forth. Take it, bring the Lord into those decisions. Because I basically, when I was interviewing for this new job, I told the Lord, look, I'll do the best I can. And if you want me to move to Boston, then let it come through. But if you want me to stay at the time I was in New Jersey, then let it fall through and I'll stay here. And I received a job offer there. And uh, so I moved to Boston, but knowing in my heart, I was convinced that God had something prepared for me in Boston. And I thought, oh, maybe I'll meet the man of my dreams. <laughs> and I did, Jesus, my spouse. <laughs> Better than you could pray for or ask for. And uh, I was working, and as I was relocating... It sounded like you always had your faith and was always practicing your faith. And, I mean, if you're asking Jesus into the decisions... No, I, I, uh, I have... I, I would say during my college years, I, I began to drift a little bit, not going to the sacraments that regularly. But your faith, I would say, I always had. I didn't necessarily practice it consistently, but certainly uh, found my way back, and EWTN was very helpful with that, too, rediscovering my faith in a new way and deepening it as well. So uh, that was of great help, and that's certainly where, where we can learn a lot about our faith. Uh, and then my, my story, to go back about the vocation story, I was relocating and went to St. Catherine of Siena's parish in the Boston area. She's my patron saint now, St. Catherine of Siena. Katerina is the Italian of uh, Catherine, and there the people were praying the novena before the feast. I'd, I had no idea what it was, and after they said those beautiful prayers for different souls each day, they popped in a, a cassette tape back then <laughs> with the, the chaplet sung, and just the words of the chaplet, and I couldn't even understand them all, but these words have mercy on us and on the whole world deeply touched my heart and moved, I would say, my soul. And I thought, I've got to find out what this is. This is so beautiful. But I didn't know anybody in the church there because I was new until one day a lady from the prayer group gave me a booklet on the Divine Mercy devotion. And I saw that all these prayers came mm -hmm. from a diary from a St. Faustina who had written a diary. And back then there was no internet yet. So I called the 800 number in the booklet and ordered the diary and started reading it. And as I was reading, maybe I'll just continue. I don't want to uh, talk your ears off here. <laughs> and as I was reading the diary, that's when my vocation came out. I, I was reading what St. Faustina was writing and... Uh, 
I thought, this is it. This is the kind of life I want to live. I want to offer my life for souls to help other people find God and help them be saved. Had you experienced like a dissatisfaction with the work life and, you know, nine to five cubicle work and everything? Uh, I wouldn't call it a dissatisfaction because I really enjoyed the work I did. I was a product manager, senior product manager, and I had studied for that. I, I enjoyed the work I was doing, but deep down, I couldn't see myself doing that for many years. I didn't think I would find fulfillment, I guess, would be the right word, that this, the worker, this wouldn't be fulfilling for me. So there, well, our hearts are created for, you know, especially when we're called to become spouses of Christ, our hearts are created for a greater love. And uh, I guess so that's, I think, what I was feeling, that I just simply couldn't see myself uh, long-term in the workforce or that type of work. And I was choosing the kind of work that was more meaningful. I was working in the pharmaceutical industry, and I could see even in my choices there, I was looking to do something meaningful with my life. But, um, yeah, those are the signs of vocation when you're looking, like some sort of dissatisfaction or looking for something more deeper. So you you were touched at that a church event, and then you just immediately went in, or 10 years later? or <laughs> <laughs> No, I wasn't pretty. The Lord basically brought me to the footstep, uh, footsteps of the convent because the sisters were in, uh, in Dorchester, just outside of Boston. And a friend of mine from my prayer group had seen one of our sisters on TV, and he said, the sisters are here somewhere in Boston. So I simply opened up the diary to get the name of the congregation, Congregation of the Sisters of Our Lady of Mercy, and then matched it up with a phone book. Now, there were many mercy orders, so when I made my first phone call, I, my first question was, is this St. Faustina's <laughs> order? <laughs> I didn't want to rent, end up in the wrong, wrong order. <laughs> <laughs> and sister uh, said yes, and then only then did I come out and say, well, I'd like to talk to somebody about the vocation. And I was within 20 minutes driving time of the sister's convent. I was living in Brookline, uh, Massachusetts. And do you think, uh, I, I know you all, you do the prison ministry you mentioned, and you give talks and things, retreats. Do you think um, in this new evangelization that we're, we're in, what do you think religious sisters bring to that, like the special charism they might have that's effective today? It seems to me, I mean, there are many things, but one of the things that stand out to me, just just thinking out loud now, is I think sisters are very approachable. I find that even uh, travels and airplanes, people speak to us or, you know, tell us their life stories many times. And uh, if we embrace them with love and listen to that with compassion, I think it makes it so much easier for people then to maybe see a priest or maybe go to confession or come back to the church, sort of uh, with Sisters of Our Lady of Mercy. So Mary is our heavenly superior, and I think there comes that uh, Marian aspect mm-hmm. even in there, this uh, Our Lady who is always the mother, everyone's mother, mother of the church, mother of Jesus. Uh, that warmth, I guess, the being approachable in general. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I think that's one of the aspects that comes to mind, especially in our order, because we ought to be merciful and compassionate and reflect all those uh, 
attributes or practice those virtues. Our Lady asks us to practice humility. Humility, and once again, humility, mm -hmm. meekness and compassion, love of God and neighbor. So I think religious sisters have a gift to give there, the genius of women being uh, approachable, being warm in general, maybe less threatening. Mm -hmm. And also the, the gifts we have of coordinating a kind of sensing maybe where people are and helping them drawing and drawing others in that would just be one you know one mm -hmm. thing that comes to my mind and what do you think uh you grew up in belgium and spent time in uh, poland what are the special needs as you see them of uh, north americans what do you see you're in a big city boston um a lot of europeans complain about america our lack of culture and things <laughs> How do you how do you see we need we're called to reach this culture we're in today? I well I love it here. I've been here in the United States for over twenty years in the convent alone twenty years, and I'm an American now myself. Um, Americans are very friendly people, very generous and friendly people. There's so much goodness here in uh, in Americans. I must say first of all. Um, easy to to approach to to reach uh, everybody greets here people are very friendly so there's already that opening to be able to maybe uh, reach out to people and invite but i think that's what, what we're looking at trying to reach out to catholics who are not currently coming to church or who do not understand how deeply jesus loves them i think out reaching out to others sharing our own relationship with the lord sharing our faith so it would be that new evangelization. But I think you know, we can pass it on from soul to soul, that fire of love that burns in our heart, our stories we can share with another person. And from there, that person will take it to another person or more people. So I think reaching out and sharing our stories, sharing our love for God is very powerful. And I think that can be like that fire. Our Lord says, oh, I wish the fire was already burning to to bring it, pass it on from person to person, and really sharing how God has touched our lives or how he brings joy and hope and meaning to our lives. And I think especially for young people, the question about meaning and uh, young people are being bombarded with so many things. You know, on the Internet alone, there it's, it's the whole world out there, and we can get lost in all these possibilities. And... So to, to kind of pull back and look at Jesus and focus on him and, and talk about him and what he's done for my life and what he wants to do for others. And one last question. Um, the motto of our Holy Father is, I think, having mercy, he chose me. Uh, what do you think about that as a sister of Our Lady of Mercy? <laughs> well, Pope Francis is uh, speaking about mercy all the time. Very, um, it's very special, and he just called the year of mercy, the Jubilee year of mercy, will be beginning uh, December eighth, Feast of the Immaculate Conception, and running through next year of uh, Christ the King. So Pope Francis is opening the Jubilee doors. He's opening wide the doors to God's mercy. So it's it's really, to me, it's showing that this message of God's merciful love is a message for our time and for all people, old or young, that our Lord is opening 
his arms wide and he you'll see this in the divine mercy image how our lord is stepping forward he's making the first step he's coming towards us and we see these two rays the blood and water emanating from his side and and these these symbolize the sacraments the red one stands for holy communion the pale one for baptism and confession where we're cleansed and refreshed so it's up to us now to to allow Jesus to come to us and to answer and open our hearts, even be it so by crack, with trust and, and answer Jesus, I trust in you, Lord. I turn to you. I believe in you. So I think the Holy Father is recognizing, too, the signs, signs of our time and inviting all mankind to, to draw close to God's mercy. And Jesus said, mankind will not have peace until it turns with trust to my mercy. And that's a very powerful statement. Where will peace come from? And that peace ought to start in our own hearts. Peace in our hearts, and that will then radiate to others. Did you ever meet uh, St. John Paul II? Not in person. I was at the canonization of St. Faustina in the year 2000, and I did see him pretty close up, and it was powerful when he turned to our side of the of the congregation of where we were sitting, I really felt like he was looking at me with his fatherly love, although I'm sure he was just gazing or looking in that direction, but I felt like a, a fatherly love when he looked over. So I didn't meet him personally, but I did, I did have the, the grace and the pleasure, the joy of being at the canonization and experiencing sort of that special look of his. Well, thanks so much for talking with us. You're welcome. Thank you very much, Father.